You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Hot takes have been flowing. Everybody's saying the deal would never get done. Everybody's saying Dak wants too much money or somehow the Cowboys managed to mess this whole thing up. Everybody telling you that there would be a fail between an epic quarterback and a landmark franchise in the NFL. And what do you know? You just heard the breaking news. Everybody was wrong. Dak and the Cowboys have hugged, made up, and now there's a long-term deal in place for everybody to begin to look forward. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear hotline. we got a lot of them we'll get to tonight. And the breaking news, Jason Fitz, by the way, flying solo tonight, is Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Now, it's International Women's Day, and as we always do on this show, we're going to take some time to acknowledge that throughout the course of the show. We're going to do that with some great guests, some great stories that I know you want to hear. But the big breaking news you just heard from SportsCenter is that Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys have reached an agreement. Reportedly, the Cowboys are giving Dak a four-year $160 million deal, which would include a record $126 million in guaranteed money. Sources have told ESPN. Again, four years, $160 million, and 126 of it guaranteed. Now think about what we've heard, what we expected, and what we just found out. I'll go back to last summer. Now last summer, uh, as we were trying to figure out what everything looked like, and uh, I know we were in the morning show, we were talking constantly about Dak and what would happen as he was going into this year with the Cowboys. One of the conversations that I think really got lost were some of the insiders right there that were telling you, hey, This problem is that Dak wants a shorter deal and the Cowboys want a longer deal. The Cowboys love him. They want to make sure that he's locked up for as long as possible. They wanted a five-year deal. Dak wanted a four-year deal. We heard that repeatedly from guys that are trustworthy around the situation. We just chose at some point to make it about everything else, about, oh, well, they must not be buying in or he doesn't like them or there's some issue between the Jones family and Dak. And what do you know? When you take all of the nonsense away, what happened? Four years. $160 $160 million, record $126 million guaranteed. What's that tell you? That tells you in the end, yes, Dak won on terms. He won on length. But everybody got what they wanted. Hear me out. It's easy to, to, to suddenly decide that we need a winner and a loser on absolutely everything. That's where we are as a society. It, it, tomorrow, I'm sure all the debate shows will debate who won or who lost this entire negotiation process. But you got to acknowledge two things. One, Dak bet on himself, a four-year deal with $160 million coming off of an injury where up until the point that he was hurt so catastrophically with his ankle, he looked absolutely spectacular. So he comes back to the table, back to the negotiating table. We all knew tomorrow was the deadline for another year of the franchise tag. So everybody's feeling a little pressure, feeling a little heat, got to figure out what to do. Right. Well, as you start to look around and say, okay, what did Dak want? Dak still wanted the same thing, four years. Around $40 million a year. Man, we heard that a lot. Last year we heard four years, $40 million, a lot. What do the Cowboys want? The Cowboys want a longer-term deal. That didn't get done last year. So now what are they going to do? Well, the Cowboys backed into a corner have to make a decision between whether they're going to sign a short deal, whether they're going to figure out a way to get it done on four years, or whether they're going to insist on the fifth year. But remember the one thing that they always have in this situation, the franchise tag. See, four years can become five years, can become six years. I mean, it can become seven years. I know it's, cat- it's catastrophic for the salary cap, but you can turn around and franchise a player multiple times in a row. They can put themselves back in this situation in four years. So as much as they want in five years, and as much as they were willing to ride it out all the way to the very end to get five years, what they got was four, but they still own the franchise tax. So they still technically have five. Unless the collective bargaining agreement changed completely, which it didn't, this was always going to be the case. Like, we overcomplicated something that's kind of simple here. The Cowboys aren't going to go back into the draft to figure out the quarterback situation. They're the Cowboys. they got a talented roster. And they have a quarterback that they believe in enough that they were willing to stand in a negotiating line and say, no, we will not sign you four years because we want you for five. That doesn't say we don't want you. That says we want you so much, we want you here as long as possible. But we, we, we suddenly turned it into anti-Cowboys, anti-DAC, when it's not that at all. And they show you this now. Four years, $160 million. Is it going to create salary cap difficulty? Heck yeah. $126 million guaranteed. Do we know the full specs on where the guarantees come from and how it all works out? No. I'm sure that Adam Schefter will continue to find that for us over the course of the next couple of hours. And as we get more information, we'll let you know. 
But what the Cowboys have just done is they've sort of put a cork in the biggest, loudest debate outside of Deshaun Watson that we could possibly be having in the NFL. And what's happened? Yet again, the same thing I told you last week. I hate to be the told, I told you so guy, but this is pretty easy to see. Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz. When you start thinking about what we are talking about with these quarterbacks, we talk, it's going to be the offseason of unprecedented movement. No, it's not. We've seen the biggest names move that are going to move. Maybe Deshaun. Maybe we have hope for Deshaun going out and suddenly making a bunch of dominoes fall. I don't think Russ is going anywhere. We'll get into that later in the show. Ultimately, Deshaun's the only one left. Dak's going to be back with the Cowboys. Oh, man, we just we, we were begging for it. And what we found out is that they're going to run it back, which makes a lot of sense. By the way, oh, 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 we are getting this. This is inf- good information. Stash producer extraordinaire. We're still getting the info as it breaks. There is a no trade clause, and apparently there is a no tag clause. Ah, okay, I stand corrected. A no tag clause definitely means that suddenly we can turn around and say that Dak clearly won this. Dak clearly wins the negotiation because if he can't be tagged in four years, the Cowboys will have the massive pressure on them to get it done. I wonder how many cow- how many quarterbacks are going to follow this precedent moving forward. A no tag clause is one of the strongest things you can put into any contract for any star player at any time. Basically, what you're saying is you'll get these four years, but you won't get any benefit of the doubt next time we come to the table. That's a huge win for Dak. See, I'm not sitting here thinking about the money being paid. I'm not sitting here worried about what it means for the salary cap to have a $40 million a year quarterback. Let's be real. Teams figure it out. That's just what happens. I know it's a down year in the cap, but realistically, teams figure it out. If you've got a great one, you pay a great one. Dak's a great one. Four years, $160 million, with a record $126 million in guaranteed. I mean, you can look at that and say, hey, they'll figure it out for the next four years, but boy, they're going to have to work on it now. I mean, no tag clause. That is a game changer. If Dak has actually secured his ability to walk away from the Cowboys after he gets all this cash, he getting paid, and then he can just walk away from the Cowboys? Man, that is a strong, strong statement by Dak. I'm surprised to see the Cowboys let that go in there because now we've all been told that the, the clock is ticking, and it starts right now. You got four years to win at such an astronomical level all right, you got four years to, to rebuild the relationship at such an incredible level that what you've really got is Dak betting on himself again here and saying, in four years, I want to be able to walk. That's a really interesting development. That's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. Obviously, again, we're going to get into International Women's Day. We've got some great guests coming up on some different uh, topics around that, but we're going to go straight to Dallas next. We're going to get some reaction from Dallas from one of my favorites that knows the Cowboys better than anybody. We'll do it next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. And Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We'll be doing a lot tonight for International Women's Day, uh, sprinkled in throughout the course of the show. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. Sarah's off. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. But we're going to head straight to the Goodyear hotline. There is big breaking news out of the NFL. Dak Prescott signs a four-year, $160 million contract with $126 million of that guaranteed. According to reports, it contains a no-trade and no-tag clause. He will become the second player, uh, joining Patrick Mahomes, to make $40 million per year. Now, you guys know that my love for 80s wrestling. So the only analogy I can make here is, if you remember Jimmy Hart in the 80s, sometimes got in the ring, was getting his butt kicked, would immediately roll out and get you know, reinforcements. That's what I'm doing here. As I roll out of the ring, I go running for one of my favorite people in the world. Shereen Williams joins us. Pro Football Talk. Shereen knows the Cowboys better than everybody. And, and Shereen, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. I know it's hectic. So give me a little bit of sense here. Like, how surprised are you when you hear those numbers, as much as you know about the team, that this is where the deal landed? Well, I'm not surprised it got done, Fitz. I am surprised a little bit by the money. But, you know, the Cowboys had a chance to do this for two years, and they didn't get it done, and it cost them more than it should have cost them. If they had ponied up, you know, two years ago, a year ago, it would have cost them less money. But they they were up against it, frankly. They, you know, they painted themselves in a corner in this deal because they think they have their franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott. And he was leading the league last year when he broke that ankle compound fracture and dislocation in, in week five against the Giants. 
And so, you know, they think they have their guy. Well, if you think you have a guy, you can't let him get away. And you really can't afford to franchise tag him because that's going to cost you $37 million. And frankly, if they had put the tag on him again and not come to a long-term deal before July 15th, this was Dex last year in Dallas. I have no doubt about that. They had to get this done, and they had to get it done before the date of the franchise tag, and they did that. So kudos to them for getting the deal done. They have their long, uh, their quarterback wrapped up long term. I do worry about what they can do now to build around him, and that was their concern all along was how much money are we going to have left to build around him, and we're going to wait to see the final numbers, like what's his salary cap number this year. We don't know any of that. So eager to see all those real numbers uh, of the money, but it's a massive deal. There's no question about that. We're talking to Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk, the breaking news. Dak Prescott has a new deal with the Cowboys. So one of the interesting things to me, Shereen, is that there's a no trade and a no tag clause reportedly in the deal. So uh, that seems surprising to me, thinking that any team would give up the right to franchise tag their quarterback again. Is there bad blood at this point between the Cowboys and Dak that you think would linger any way that they need to worry about four years from now? I don't think so. You know, I I think uh, both sides are going to be happy with this. The Cowboys probably not with what they have to spend for him, but the fact that they got the deal done and they know who their franchise quarterback is going to be for the next four years. And Dak Prescott obviously uh, likes, uh, I'm sure he has a big smile on his face with the amount of money that they're going to spend on him because that's a huge, he gets, you know, 66 million to sign and 75 million in the first year. So that's the most in NFL history. And people say, well, it's too much. He's not worth it. Look, it's not, what he's worth that has nothing to do with it it's what does the market pay right now we see these quarterback salaries rising every single year again they could have gotten it done last year or the year before they didn't get that done so this is on the cowboys and kudos to dak for waiting this out for playing last year under the tag for betting on himself now he did have the ankle injury and that could have cost him but it didn't cost him and he, he's reaping the benefits of, of betting on himself and and uh is going to be a gazillionaire now with with what he signed with this deal so uh he did the right thing for himself it worked out for him it doesn't always work out for players you see bud dupree what happened to him he uh played on the franchise tag last year turned down a long-term deal and now he had a, the acl injury and probably not going to get a similar type deal that Dak got so Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. In Dak's case, the franchise tag worked out for him, and now he's got uh, generational wealth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not lying, Shereen. Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk joining us. Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo. You know, you mentioned the, the role of the dice here. I think it's interesting, too, from team standpoints, because the Rams, frankly, got a lot of heat for signing golf to an extension too early. Uh, but then you have this side of it where the Cowboys could have gotten this deal done, you know, earlier and saved themselves some money. So if you're a team approaching your quarterback, is it better to sign them early? And, hey, it doesn't matter if you overpay right now. That'll normalize at some point or do you wait well it's just such a difficult position if you don't know for sure right because you look at what the titans did with with mariota right and they and he ended up leaving like they didn't sign him for the long-term deal and you look what the bucks did with Jameis winston they end up getting tom brady it worked out for them they let Jameis winston walk after using the fifth year option of him and then you look at Carson Wentz, Jared Goff get the long-term deals. The Cowboys don't sign Dak Prescott. They could have signed him at the same time. And people are saying, people ripped those Jared Goff and Carson Wentz deals at the same time and said the Cowboys should wait on Dak. As it turns out, Dak should have been the one guy of those three who got the long-term deal. But he didn't. So it is a cautionary tale to some extent. You have to be absolutely sure when you sign that guy that he is your franchise guy, and sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to project because we would have said, right, Carson Wentz had an MVP-type year before his ACL injury. We thought he was going to be that guy. He wasn't. And so now those teams are kind of starting over uh, with different quarterbacks. So it's tough, and it sometimes puts you in a bad position as a team to what you're going to have to commit to them, and sometimes you – or you give them so much money that how are you going to build around this guy? So you better be certain that that guy is your franchise quarterback before you give him that deal. Sometimes it, it, you should do the fifth-year option on the guy if he was a first-round draft pick, let him play out those five years, and then do it. We're talking to Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk. Uh, Shereen, uh, I'm not talking about fans' expectations. That, that's always through the roof. But when you send this kind of money out to Dak – 
within the building, what are the expectations now from the organization? I mean, what sort of extra pressure does this put on him? Yeah, I think it does. And you look at Mike McCarthy came in and was supposed to turn this team around, and they were abysmal, and the defense was awful. And, you know, even people say, well, Dak got hurt in week five. They weren't good before that. They had a losing record with Dak Prescott as their quarterback. So don't tell me that it was Dak Prescott's injury that made them a bad team. So now you have all this pressure, right, going into this year. You're in a bad division. You now have the best quarterback in the division. You have him locked up. So you better go win the division. I think that's minimum of what they need to do this year. But I am worried, Fitz, again, about how much money they're going to have to build around this guy, not only this year but beyond this year, over the next four years. But this year's going to be really tough. They're, the players they have on the roster right now are probably the players they're going to have going into next season. And you're going to add some rookies in that, some undrafted guys, and you're going to have a really pretty young team, I think, based on, uh, we don't, again, we don't know what the sour cap number is going to be for this year. But I just worry about how much they can they can build around him. Uh, and they better hope some of the, the Tyron Smiths and Zach Martins and Lyle Collins, they all come back healthy. Because if those guys are injured again, they're in big trouble uh, along that offensive line. So they need those guys to stay healthy, and they need to to draft wisely if they're going to build around Dak Prescott. You guys should follow her on Twitter, at NFL Shereen. Great follow, especially with all of this breaking right now. Shereen, thanks so much for answering the bat phone, as always, when the Cowboys stuff comes up. I really appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right, Shereen with great insight there. And a, a really smart point made by her a couple of times uh, is that we don't know the details yet of the contracts, and we're still trying to get that. So as we get more details on the contracts, we'll let you know. Uh, Shefty has just tweeted out, Adam Schefter has just tweeted out, Dak Prescott's deal is actually a six-year deal that voids to four years so as to help the Cowboys against the cap per a source. Todd Archer had alluded to that structure back on February 16th. So uh, suddenly we are looking at all of these details, and as we get more of the information around it, we will make sure you know. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more at Progressive.com. Again, the breaking news, if you're just joining us, Dak Prescott has a new four-year, $160 million deal that includes $126 million in guaranteed money and a no-trade and no-franchise tag clause. So this is massive. We'll get more information coming up on what it means for the Cowboys as we get more information on whatever we can find out about the contract that has been signed. In the meantime, we'll get back to Dak a little bit later, but it's also International Women's Day. Coming up next, we're going to share an inspirational story that you've got to hear around International Women's Day. We'll do it on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, and as always, hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah's off on vacation this week, getting some much-deserved rest. Jason Fitz going to fly solo for you. Want to make sure you knew the, the big news of the day that has just come across the wire in the last hour. Dak Prescott has agreed to a four-year, $160 million deal. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting it's actually a six-year deal voided to four years, which will help with the cap. There's a record of $126 million in guarantees, and it includes a no-trade and no-tag clause. So obviously, we are breaking that uh, down as we continue through the course of the night. That being said, International Women's Day is today, and that's something that matters a lot to this show. It matters a lot to me and Sarah both, and uh, we're really stoked at this point to go to the Goodyear Hotline to bring in somebody that is absolutely beyond inspiring. Mallory Wegeman joins us there, Paralympic gold medalist, 15-time world champion swimmer, ESPN SB Award winner. I could go on and on, but Mallory, I want to start with Book Rider. You wrote a book, Limitless. How difficult was it for you to sit back in the middle of everything else going on in the chaos of the world to, to find a way to put your life into words? Well, Jason, first of all, thanks so much for having me join. And, you know, you're right. The past, the past year has been a little chaotic, I think, for all of us. And, and I have to say I'm incredibly fortunate that I have stayed healthy and so have my loved ones. And so I feel like in terms of um, what this year has been, that is the biggest blessing you can ask for. And, you know, writing Limitless this year was, was unlike anything that I anticipated. I went into the year starting in January of 2020, writing the book, thinking that I was going to be turning the manuscript in right before I went to the Tokyo Paralympic Games. And then obviously, as we all know, in March, that that changed with the postponement of the 2020 Games. And so, you know, I, I had a little bit more time to think and to process. And while that wasn't time that due to the circumstances I would have 
asked to have, um, it really was a blessing to have that that space to kind of process and and step aside and go through 13 years of journals and, and really dive that much deeper into into Limitless. And I think as a result, it is a it is a better book today because of that time that that we were given in that process in the spring of 2020. Mallory, you mentioned the postponement of the Olympics. And this one, I think, hits so many of us harder because it's not like most sports that can say, hey, next year we'll have another championship. I mean, the Olympics are such a rarity. You spend so much of your life preparing for it. You were getting ready for the Paralympic Games. Now you're getting ready for them again. So how has it really impacted the delay? How has it impacted your training? You know, in a lot of ways, I feel really grateful that my coach and I have been through so much in my career. I have gone through two comebacks now at this point, and so, well, I guess three in all reality. And so that idea of kind of being broken down and starting at ground zero all over again isn't foreign to us, and I'm at the point where as an athlete, it doesn't scare me anymore. I actually embrace it and kind of welcome it, if you will, because it's just a new challenge. And so athletically speaking, I think I'm in a lot of ways stronger than ever because I, I kind of been able to tackle it as a, as a new challenge, having this extra time and then being able to just kind of have a different perspective. And, you know, so much of what we do as athletes, is not just physical, it's mental and emotional. And that perspective is a game changer with how you're able to get up and mentally perform in the moment. And so I really do think I'm stronger. I think as a person, it was a little bit harder. Um, I kind of have like my athlete brain and my personal brain. <laughs> and personally speaking, I was really excited to try to start a family and become a mama this year. And so knowing that that was postponed due to the games, it, it's small, like I said, in comparison to what the world has faced. But for me, that that um, that kind of heartbreak that came with it was alive and real last March. And so there was a little hiccup there in the journey, but um, I, I got through that and surrounded by a lot of love with my husband and our fur baby, Sam. And so we, uh, we've taken it in stride and we're just so excited for Tokyo at this point. We're talking to Paralympic gold medalist Mallory Wegman, Spain Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting talking, you know, particularly right now to, let's say, college basketball kids that last year were getting ready for March Madness and then it, it went away. And you talk to NBA players that last year had the season shut down for so much. I mean, is there a part of you, like, how do you essentially emotionally, from a real human being standpoint, not let the, the possible post moment again creep into your mind? You know, I think from the human aspect, I did let it creep into my mind. Um, early on in this, I kind of did the, like, what happens if this goes again? And I think the fact that I allowed myself to acknowledge that that was a concern that I had, and that's a very real concern, allowed me to to kind of get to this point that I am right now where I'm confident, A, in what is being done by the organizing committee and the IOC and the IPC and the USOPC um, and all of our organizing bodies that Tokyo will happen. But I, I think that, you know, three, four months ago, letting myself kind of have that moment where I kind of identified the elephant in the room, let me kind of then say, okay, I've acknowledged it. And now I've moved beyond it. Um, because when it happened last March, I'll be honest. I mean, it seems silly to say now that it was a blindsided because we, sh we should have seen it coming. But when you're that close to a game, you start putting your blinders on and you kind of start blocking the noise out in the world around you. And, and you're not like, completely paying attention to what's going on around you because you're so hyper-focused on that goal you've been training for for four years. And so I was a little caught off guard. I mean, we obviously started seeing the writing on the wall as March took shape. And like you just said, the NCAA tournament was canceled. The NBA started making their decisions. And so the writing, I think, for us started getting painted on the wall. Um, but this fall, that was kind of what I let myself do of, you know what? Let's address the elephant in the room of what if it happens and it just now gets canceled, which is it's not going to. I'm confident in that um, now, but it allowed me to just kind of work through that and then move beyond that versus just continuing to kind of shove it in the back of my head. It's Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz, talking to Mallory Wegman, Paralympic gold medalist. And, you know, Mallory, I've had the opportunity over the last few months to sit down and talk to a lot of people around Michigan State swimming and diving. And it's not just them across the country. You can see 
programs being cut everywhere and, and it seems like the lack of football is being used as a reason to eliminate something that matters a lot to a lot of people. What's the future of the sport look like at the collegiate level in your mind? That's a really great question. Um, I hope that the future is bright. Swimming is very near and dear to my heart. Obviously, I'm I'm incredibly biased to that. But, you know, it it's about so much more than sports. And it's about how the power that sport has to transcend the field of play and impact lives and individuals. And for me, swimming saved my life when I was 18 years old. And and paralyzed, and I didn't know what my future would be, and and I was welcomed back to the water, a place that I had been competing my entire childhood and filled years of memories. And so I I really do hope that swimming um, on the collegiate level has a a very bright future because it is, um, I mean, it's an incredible sport. And again, it's very near and dear to my heart. And and seeing programs cut is, is really sad, especially seeing female programs cut and women's teams because, you know, I mean, a lot of people that came long before me fought really hard for female collegiate athletes and for equality. And so I, I, I just hope that we don't start to go backwards because of what has happened with COVID. You guys can check out the book Limitless. Obviously uh, your story, Mallory is incredible. It's in- inspirational. Uh, you're one of the people that I'm really glad we can get on the show to have these messages because you're just worth rooting for. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and give us a little insight. Uh, Good luck at the games this year. I know I'll be rooting for for you. We all will be. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. All right. uh, Mallory Wegman joining us. Uh, Really great stuff there. We're going to do some more throughout the course of the night on International Women's Day. Obviously, the big story right now, Dak Prescott has a new deal. Uh, Mallory, by the way, that was brought to you by Goodyear, celebrating March deal days with month-long service and savings. Visit GoodyearAutoService.com for offers. We'll get you, speaking of offers, the latest on Dak's contract. It's signed, sealed, delivered. We'll tell you what we know, what we're finding out. Plus, Sarah recently visited with one of the greatest broadcasters around. You'll hear a little bit of that conversation next Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio Spain and Fitz the podcast it's on ESPN radio the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80 Jason Fitz flying solo tonight the big news that everybody's talking about Dak Prescott has a new deal as the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys it's a four-year 160 million dollar contract there's a record 126 million dollars in guarantees there is a no trade and a no tag clause, all very significant. We're trying to get more details, and we're getting you more answers on what it all means for the Cowboys this year and moving forward. In about 15 minutes, we're going to bring in Todd Archer, ESPN Cowboys reporter. He'll get us the latest on the DAC deal. We'll make sure that you're caught up as the night continues on. In the meantime, it's also International Women's Day, something that matters a lot to this show, matters a lot to both Sarah and I. And Sarah had the opportunity recently to sit down with an absolute legend in sports broadcasting, Leslie Visser, on her podcast. That's what she said. I want you to hear a little bit of Sarah talking to Leslie. Here it is. What was it about your mom, you think, that made her want to encourage you to be a sports writer at the age of 10, even though it literally didn't exist for women at the time, instead of her either not agreeing or just wanting to protect you by telling you it would be too tough? I had a kind of a crazy upbringing. My dad was raised in Amsterdam and knew nothing of American sports. And he wasn't Jewish, but he grew up under the Nazi occupation. His family uh, got him out. He came. Holland was liberated, I think, in 45. And uh, he came over then. And my mom was like, not lower middle class intellectually, but uh, financially. But she she kind of loved sports. And she was from a time that women really could not express an interest really in sports. But uh, we moved a lot because my dad was um, he was with the Stanford Research Institute. So we would move pretty much. Uh, I think they got divorced on our 11th move. <laughs> wow. That's a, yeah, that's a lot tough. to make it through, actually, before you before you're yeah, like, I'm was, out. <laughs> it was great for sports. You know, we live in Baltimore. It was Johnny Unitas and the Colts. Uh, but um, when I told her we were living in Cincinnati and I just, I love sports. I was somebody who, you know, tuned in my transistor to listen to the Ali Frazier fights. And I grew up listening to Kirk Gowdy call Red Sox games in Boston. So um, when I was 10, we'd moved again to Ohio 
And I told my mom, she asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, you know what? I want to be a sports writer. And she didn't say, 1963 this was, she didn't say, oh, girls don't do that. You know, you have to be all honorable professions, but you have to be a nurse or teacher, domestic uh, or a housekeeper. And um, I said, I want to be a sports writer. And she said, that's great. Sometimes you have to cross when it says don't walk. So you go on to, to high school and end up at Boston College, a, a great university. It's certainly not Ivy League, but, you know, commendable all the same. And you you major in English and you start writing for the paper there. Um, throughout high school and college, was there pushback? Were there people like your mom that said, absolutely go for it? Or were you more meeting some sort of withering stares in terms of the decision to keep pushing forward? Well, the the... Blowback didn't happen until I got to the Globe because, uh, first of all, it was a very heady time. Uh, It was a time when I was in college, we were coming off the 60s. And I myself, I had marched for equal rights. I'd marched for civil rights. I went to high school in the Berkshires and all those colleges out there. It's a very political area. And so uh, I was used to being unafraid to have a voice. And I wrote for the Boston College paper. And you know, Sarah, when you're in college, you think, oh, I'm probably not going to see these people ever again. Well, my <laughs> sports editor at Boston College was Mike Lupica. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it was, and Bob Ryan had been there before uh, Mike and myself. So it, Boston College had a tradition. It's just I was yeah. a female. But um, I remember... Uh, I wouldn't get the great assignments, you know, um, Mike Lupica would go when uh, Boston College played Miami in football, you know, and I'd maybe have a lousy basketball game. But I did get to go when Boston College played Texas Tech. And um, I remember the coach then, Joe Yukika, because Boston College was very regional. We were in Independence then with Penn State and Notre Dame. And we came back from Texas Tech. And uh, I remember Joe Yukika, then the coach, got up in the plane and announced to everybody after we beat them, the South is dead. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yeah, sports is the greatest. Right. Very dramatic. So much of this business, especially as a woman, is the combination of the typical sort of imposter syndrome, which anyone might have, man or woman, no matter the level of success you've already had, where you wonder if you're going to be found out for not deserving your spot. But that's compounded by a society that's actually telling you, you don't deserve this. Why are you here? Go away. This is a man's thing. So that confidence becomes so necessary and it's tough to find early on before you have the validation of bosses or peers or fans or whatever. So were there moments early on, whether that was because of harassment or not being able to get into a, a, a locker room or anything else where you thought, you know, maybe this isn't for me? Uh, I had what uh, John Madden used to say, I was caught in a two-way go because uh, as the first, I didn't want to complain to the Patriots that there were no equal access provisions, no locker room. And I didn't want to complain to the Globe because I didn't want them to say, oh, really, I guess a woman can't do it. Hmm. So a lot of uh, decisions on the fly. And I was lucky that the writers at the Globe were so secure. You know, they were, uh, I think, that group of us were in like nine halls of fame. So <laughs> they didn't, they just wanted me to rebound in the pickup games, you know, that, but that's uh, right. But, but certainly the coaches, um, uh, the NFL coaches just could not understand. And uh, they were troublesome. The, the great ones, ironically, were uh, the black players. They were wonderful to me. And I remember asking Sugar Bear Hamilton and Tony McGee, I used to go over to their house and they would run the old eight millimeter tapes and they would explain, okay, this is the difference between the three, four and the four, three. And here's the responsibility of the Mike linebacker or whatever. And I finally said, why are you guys so great to me? And Sugar Bear Hamilton, who's a friend to this day, he said, because we know what it's like Mm -hmm. to be only one. Uh, So it's 1976 when you become the first NFL beat writer female. And you've told this story a bunch, but the actual credential around your neck said no women and no children in the locker room. So was that a fight from day one or was it just sort of like "Ah, everybody just ignores that it says right here, I'm not supposed to be here? Well, for me at the time, uh, I had an attitude of gratitude. I couldn't believe that something I had dreamed of since I was nine or 10 years old 
uh, scoring games myself late at night, listening to Kirk Gowdy, uh, that was, it was happening. And so it was kind of, uh, you know, whatever they throw at me, there was no group to appeal to, you know, there, you guys hadn't come along yet. So um, I just looked at it like, okay, I'll just cross that out. And, you know, they didn't have ladies rooms. So, cause they hadn't been any other women. So I'm sure you might've heard me tell this. I'd be in the press box. Patriots would have the ball first and 10 on their own 20. And I'd say, Hmm, can I get down the press box elevator across the field, go to the bathroom and get back up? You know, I was like, Usain Bolt. Type. Yeah. Yeah. You got to work out every game too. <laughs> I did and get back up. But uh, I think I just, uh, I loved it. You know, it was the, passion I had so outweighed the hurdles. And it was a blast. I mean, I hate for people to think, oh, how dreary. I mean, my dad grew up under the Nazi occupation. So really, um, right. I just managed to to deal with it. And, uh, you know, this is my 45th year covering the NFL. So um, I think my passion endured. Obviously, you guys can hear the rest of that on That's What She Said uh, the podcast with Sarah Spain uh, as we continue to honor some of the amazing women that I work get the opportunity to work with here on International Women's Day. In the meantime, the big news, Dak Prescott, four years, $160 million contract, a record $126 million of which is guaranteed with the no trade and a no tag clause, which raises the question, what's it mean for the future in Dallas? What's it mean for Dak? We're going to head over and get some explanations from one of our best Cowboys reporters next, Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It fits on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. International Women's Day, a big theme for the show today. Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're going to go to that hotline in just a couple of minutes as we are efforting right now our Cowboys Nation reporter, uh, Todd Archer, as the big news that everybody is uh, talking about. Dak Prescott has a new contract. The conversation about could the Cowboys get it done? Was there too much water under the bridge that was bad? It, it, too many too many instant instances, easy for me to say, that had gone awry? Well, there aren't. Dak has a four-year, $160 million deal. Again, four years, $160 million, with the record $126 million of it guaranteed and a no-trade clause and a no-tag clause. So for anybody that thought that the Cowboys weren't all in on Dak, you just got the very definitive answer. I don't care how much somebody tries to spin it another way. This is a definitive answer that tells you how much the Cowboys believe in Dak. Yes, you could turn around and say, well, they backed themselves into a corner. But let's also be real about it. Dak has value. They could have tried if they wanted to. They could have franchised him, tried to trade him somewhere as it was. They didn't do that. They could have tried to go into the draft. They didn't do that. No. They went all in at the tune of four years, 160 on Dak right now. Now, according to sources that have told ESPN, it's actually a six-year deal voided to four years, which will help them with the cap. So shows you some of the manipulation that goes on to make the money work through all of it, which I totally understand. It looks like, according to our reports, Dak's cap number will be $22.2 million instead of 37.7 this season. So by signing to a long-term deal, it actually saves them $15.5 million today. They've got a lot of money to work out and a lot of things to figure out across the landscape. But this is what you deal with if you hit a home run in the draft. Like, take a second. It doesn't matter what your favorite team is. Jags fans, this is your lesson. You hit a home run with Trevor Lawrence, this is what you're going to have to do in a few years, which is why when we talked to Shereen Williams, a pro football talk earlier, and she said, here on out, the Cowboys are going to have to draft well. Well, yeah, that becomes the big key. Like, it's interesting how we look at the way that uh, teams are put together and we look at suddenly the way that we consider roster building and we say all the time, well, you got to go out there and you got to find your quarterback. Once you find your quarterback, you've got to win on the rookie deal. Well, let's also be real. If you have found your quarterback and even if you've won on the rookie deal, at some point, your front office is going to have to be better than everybody else's front office to maximize that quarterback for the rest of their career. Doesn't matter who you are. You're going to have to put talent around that guy forever. That's the pressure that's now shifted. The pressure has shifted in Dallas. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of pressure on Dak. Four years, $160 million, a record $126 million guaranteed. He better go out there and win. But man, now the organization, an organization that has been able to trade draft picks whenever they want to get players however they want because they can get what they want done roster-wise more often than not. A very talented roster year in and year out. 
suddenly doesn't look as talented, or it doesn't look as easy, I should say, right now, because that front office is going to have to get it right. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Cowboys fans, I'll take your immediate reaction. How are you feeling about it? Because the Cowboys fans have been torn on this. No way he's going to get $40 million. Well, at least on paper he did. No way they're going to throw that much in guarantees. Well, he got a record in guarantees. And in four years, they have no way to stop him from going anywhere he wants. So now, not only do they need to win, not only do they need to justify his salary, but boy, they better make him feel all warm and fuzzy. You can't have a rust situation here in four years. Dak's going to have the ability to walk away if you haven't done what he thinks you need to do around him. Ultimate power play. In a year where we thought that the ultimate power play would be quarterback saying, you must trade me, I'm not sure there's a bigger power play than what we're seeing right now from Dak. Because Dak gets his money, he gets his shorter deal at four years, which insiders last summer said is what he wanted. He gets four years. He gets $160 million. He got his money. He gets his full guarantee. So he's getting all that cash. And he gets the knowledge that in four years, there's not a dang thing the Cowboys can do about trying to shut him down, about trying to to keep him there, about trying to uh, sort of affect whatever his open market worth would be. No, in four years, he can go wherever the hell he wants to. That is the ultimate power play. That's where Jerry Jones should be upset. Not any of the the short-term money. Money's what they figure out how to work around. Like, money doesn't really stop things in the NFL. Money's what they figure out how to work around. But realistically, man, you don't just work around a no-tag clause. You don't just work around that. You guys can also tweet me, at Jason Fitz. I want your thoughts. In the year that was supposed to be quarterback chaos, in the year that was supposed to be movement everywhere, well, now we get yet another domino. I don't think Russ is going anywhere. In the meantime, if I don't think that Russ is going anywhere and suddenly Dak's coming back, now it becomes all about Watson. That's the one left. It's the one left opportunity. Again, we're going to head out in just a second uh, to talk to uh, Todd Archer. Oh, we're going to do that now. ESPN NFL Cowboys reporter Todd Archer joins us. Todd, thanks so much. I know it's crazy for you, man. I appreciate you hopping on with us. Uh, how surprised do you see to see that the deal is done right now? Uh, right now, I'm surprised that it got done because I talked to a couple people in the organization, gosh, mid- middle of the afternoon uh, out here in, in Dallas, and it didn't get the sense that they'd have something done tonight, but there, there seemed to be a sense of optimism growing that they were working towards something that they hadn't been working on since 2019. And ultimately, if you look at what the numbers that, that Adam Schefter has reported, uh, four years, $160 million, $126 million guaranteed, $66 million signing bonus, you're looking at this as a from Prescott's perspective. This is a win for him. And then on the Cowboys, well, they got a six-year deal that voids the four, and they'll have some cap. Uh, management that they can work through the first two years to make it better for them to keep players and add players in free agency. Yeah, but they have no tag. There's a no tag clause in this, according to reports. That, to me, Todd, feels really stunning as you look forward. Anytime you have a quarterback, you feel like, well, worst case scenario, we'll just franchise him. That's off the table now. Does that change some level of how they need to work their relationship with Dak over the next few years? I, no, not really. This was something that was brought up at last, uh, what do we want to say, July, when they were working towards a deal under the old tag, and, and it wasn't something that the Cowboys agreed to. But, I, you know, one thing, I, when I was looking at franchise tags and, and, and things to remember about how long guys have been quarterbacks, well, all right, Dak's the quarterback for the next four years. So we're taking it out to 2024. He'll go from 2016 to 2024 as this team's starting quarterback. There's only one, one guy that's been drafted by a team that is that took his team to a Super Bowl after that that many years for the first time in his career, and that's Matt Ryan. If the Cowboys, they're going to know what Dak Prescott is, and if he wins the Super Bowl in the next three years, guess what? They're going to redo the deal again, and they're going to pay him even a more handsome price. So that, that's probably something the Cowboys felt comfortable giving up. And if Dak doesn't win a Super Bowl, then in the next four years, and they've got nine years with him as a quarterback, it's probably time to move on to a different guy. Todd, using your knowledge to where we've been over the last couple of years, if the Cowboys had done this deal earlier, as many people think they should have done, either way, if they had done it earlier, how much money would it realistically be saving them now? I mean, you look at $40 million a year versus the Cowboys' offer in 2019 was $33 million a year. So you can say it cost them $7 million a year right there. 
But I, but I hesitate to say that, Fitz, because the Cowboys put competitive offers on the table. They were When Jared Goff and Carson Wentz signed their contracts in 2019, the Cowboys were right there on the same number uh, for, for Dak as what those guys got, or relatively the same number. And then you look at last July where they were, it was $35 million a year, right where Russell Wilson was. So they, they put numbers out there that were competitive and, and fair. It, what really hung the deal up is the, the length of the contract. The Cowboys wanted at least five, and, and the Dak wanted four. This compromise that they came to, the Cowboys got their six for their cap flow management, and, and Dak got his four, and he'll be back out on the market if he wants to be. Uh, as soon as he can. So, you know, I, 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 I don't like it when people think, well, the Cowboys didn't do enough to sign the guy because they made competitive offers. There was a $50 million signing bonus and $110 million guaranteed last June. It, clearly, they've gone up, what do we want, $16 million in bonus and another uh, $16 million in, in um, guarantees. They moved quite a bit, but I, the length of the deal is really what kept this thing back for the longest time. I don't say this lightly. Guys, follow him on Twitter, at Todd Archer. I don't know that anybody's been more level-headed through this entire process of two years <laughs> than Todd has in reporting. And Todd, thanks for coming on with us. I know it's crazy, man, but you have nailed it on the head repeatedly with this thing, and I really appreciate your insight. No problem. Thank you. Thank All right. Uh, we're, we're just getting started. Obviously, the huge news, Dak is going to be with the Cowboys for the next four years. One of our best at breaking down quarterbacks had plenty to say about Dak before the deal. Let's see what he says about now that we know that this deal is done. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80 presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We're doing a bunch of them tonight. Jason Fitz flying solo. We're getting you as much expertise as we can because Dak Prescott is going to be with the Cowboys for the next four years. $160 million deal, a record $126 million in guarantees, and it includes a no-trade clause and, importantly to me, a no-tag clause. Also, his cap number for this season will be $22.2 instead of $37.7 million, meaning that it saves them in the interim right while as they build their roster this year. $15.5 million. We're brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Uh, let's get some expertise in the form of our good friend Bill Barnwell. So what do you think, Bill? Should we just spend the next few minutes talking about Derek Carr and the Raiders? It feels like tonight's the right night. Everybody's just uh, so enamored. Okay, fine. We'll talk to you. I appreciate you joining us, my friend. Now that we have the numbers, yeah. and I think that this is the big change, right? Like Now that we have the numbers, is Dak worth it? Mm-hmm. Yes. He's worth it because I don't think the Cowboys can replace Dak Prescott. And they were very close to being in a situation where they were going to lose Dak Prescott for absolutely nothing, for maybe a comp pick in free agency. And what we see with Washington, when that happens to you, even if you maybe don't want to pay someone like a Kirk Cousins that much money, that process of starting over a quarterback can set your franchise back several years. Washington's still trying to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback in the long term. Is it a lot of money? Yeah, I mean, it is a ton of money for Dak Prescott. But to me, uh, a top 10 quarterback easily, you know, at his best, top six, top seven, a guy who was putting up crazy numbers last year, remember, before he hurt his ankle. And that's his only career injury. Uh, um, you know, to me, I, I see a guy who I think, you know, isn't going to be underpaid, but it's not like his contract is going to preclude the Cowboys from winning a Super Bowl. Well, and it's interesting, Bill, because you mentioned that they didn't have a lot of other options. It feels like suddenly mm -hmm. what was supposed to be this massive quarterback carousel looks really limited. What what in what was Plan B for the Cowboys? Prayer. I mean, a lot of <laughs> prayer, a lot of hoping. I mean, this is an organization that once found Tony Romo as an undrafted free agent. I think maybe they would have sat there and said, "Okay, we're going to draft a guy, and then we're going to hopefully just try and." figure things out on the cheap and build around our running game. Remember, in the draft several years ago, the Cowboys wanted to draft Paxton Lynch. And the Broncos traded up ahead of them. They missed out on Paxton Lynch. Jerry Jones was upset. Later in the draft, they wanted to take Connor Cook. Connor Cook ended up going to the Raiders, not that much of a pro career. The Cowboys had to settle for Dak Prescott. He was their third choice in the draft. And, of course, I'm the best quarterback of the bunch. I just don't think... They are in a position where they could say, okay, you know, we're confident in our ability. We're going to find the next Dak Prescott. I don't think in their heart of hearts, if they want to win a Super Bowl in the next several years, they thought they could do that. So for the Cowboys, really, 
It was just about trying to bluff, trying to hope that Dak would take uh, a less than market value deal. But Dak took his time, even though he got hurt, got the exact contract we would have expected for him, given the market rate, four years and $40 million per season. I can't believe you brought up Connor Cook. It still brings flashbacks to the Raiders. <laughs> play Thanks so much, Bill. I'm, uh, that's why I drink. Uh, we're talking to Bill Barnwell on Spain and Fitz, ESPN <laughs> Radio, Jason Fitz flying solo, Dak Prescott with the new mega deal. We've talked a little bit about the cap number. Uh, at, at this point, with a $15.5 million savings, how uh, really how can the, the Cowboys construct a roster around Dak that's going to be what they need? Well, obviously last year, I mean, the defense just fell apart. It was not just... The guys they brought in, like Everson Griffin, for example, struggling. But then the guys who were there, you know, uh, the, the guys like Jalen Smith, like Leighton Vanderesh, just watching them play week after week, it, it just felt like they had taken a step backwards. Like they were missing run fits. They weren't fitting the run well. They weren't, you know, they were leaving blown coverages for wide open receivers. They they just didn't gel well as a unit. And I think in this market where we figure it's going to be uh, a very buyer-friendly market for free agents, a lot of guys going to get cut over the next week. This is an opportunity for the Cowboys now with that extra $15 million to bring in two or three competent guys who can start in the secondary or start up front. You know, they're not going to go out, I think, and spend $15 million at savings on that, on that deck. Just go get one superstar player. You know, I don't think they're going to go out and get Von Miller for one year at $15 million. But I do think we're going to see them get a couple of starters, try and get depth along the defense, and try and just be competent. Because at the end of the day, the defense doesn't have to be good for the Cowboys to be Super Bowl contenders. It just has to be competent because the offense is going to be able to hold up its end of the bargain when Dak is healthy. We're talking to Bill Barnwell on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. So how good, in your mind, will the Cowboys be next year, presuming that, that health works itself out? I'm going to give health as a benefit of the doubt. How good is that team? I mean, to me, they were a Super Bowl contender this year before Dak got hurt. And obviously, I think when they were on the field, the defense was not playing at that level. But they've made changes at defensive coordinator. Um, they are going to add pieces on defense in free agency. You would figure um, we know the NFC East is bad. And to me, I just think that offense offers such upside um, that I think they can be a 10-11 game team, a 10-11 win team with Dak under center. Now, obviously, like you said, health has to matter here. But I do think that that, given they only really just gotten hurt that one time, he's been healthy pretty much his entire career otherwise, I think he comes back and plays a full season. I think the Cowboys are the prohibitive maybe favorites to win the NFC East. Real quick, Bill, before we let you go, is there a lesson that every other team learns in this negotiation that just happened? Yes. Get the deal done early. Because the Cowboys tried to be picky. They tried to go year to year. All it did was cost them more money in the long run. Get that quarterback signed the first chance you get. Bill Barnwell, as always, we appreciate your expertise, my friend. One of these days, we're just going to spend the whole time talking about car, but today's not that day. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Bill Barnwell joining us. And look, you know, he, he tweeted it out earlier, and it's worth mentioning. He and Pablo had a great, Pablo Torre had a great conversation on the Daily last week, I think it was, uh, about the fact that it was looking like a four-year, $160 million deal with two voidable years for cap purposes. I mean, this was a predictable moment here when you start to think about what was going to happen for the team. And it's part of the reason that we all sometimes have to step back and calm down in the process of trying to figure out through all the hot takes where a quarterback's going to end up. There was never a way that the Cowboys were going to go in without Dak in my mind. There was never a way that it was going to get past where it is. And frankly, both sides have given a little bit. Dak was able to get what he wanted monetarily and the no-tack clause, which I still think is huge. But the Cowboys, were they came up in their guarantees to do it. So, you know, everybody seems to have gotten a little bit of what they wanted. Like any good negotiation, it's not perfect for either side, but it's good enough. And now the Cowboys are going to have to believe that the one thing that hurt them more than anything else last, last year was health. If that's the one thing that needs to be fixed, then suddenly they'll find themselves right back on top of a bad division going into the next season. We're still going to keep breaking this deal down from every single angle that we can get. So we'll keep the experts coming from Dallas. One of our favorites next will join us to give the thoughts on how this all got done and what it means moving forward next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And as always, hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo today. Sarah Spain getting a little vacation time. It is International Women's Day. If you missed uh, anything in the podcast, by the way, go check it out. Uh, it'll be up after the show tonight and over the course of the next few days. We'll have tons of great interviews uh, with different uh, game-changing women that uh, have impacted the world of sports. In the meantime, the breaking news today, 
Dak Prescott has uh, signed a four-year, $160 million deal. It's actually a six-year deal, according to some reports. Voided down to four years. Helps with the cap. Record $126 million in guarantees. And it does feature a no-trade and no-tag clause. So Dak's cap number goes down this year. Cowboys fans, I know you guys are fired up on it. 888-SAY-ESPM, 888-729-3776. That's how you can get in. Give me your thoughts. I know the Cowboys fans have had a split about Dak, so I want to know how you feel about it now that we know the numbers because that's significant. 888-729-3776. In the meantime, uh, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over 750 bucks on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Let's get a little bit of expertise from this from the NFL Network. Jane Slater joins us. Uh, Jane, thank you so much for the time. I know it's chaotic and crazy, but you're always around the Cowboys, so I'm really thankful that you gave us some time here uh, to figure out how all this went down. So the fact that we've got this deal hanging out now, you've seen the numbers. What's your reaction to the actual final details that we're getting? Well, I, I actually think both of these sides got what they wanted out of it, which I had reported last week, in order to get this thing done, there was going to have to be give by both sides. Although I think you could look at this contract, and to me it looks like Dak won. Uh, you know, Dak ultimately wanted a shorter deal so that he could hit the market, reset the market for quarterbacks when the TV money comes in. The Cowboys needed flexibility in order to put pieces around Dak, and we still haven't seen the exact way that it's been structured yet, but it looks like he's getting $75 million in 2021, $51 million over 2022-2023, then $34 million in 2024. The first three years are guaranteed, but more importantly, you were talking about it earlier, as Adam Schefter had reported, looks like he's only going to count against the cap by $22 million versus the 37. Why is that meaningful? Well, the Cowboys had already been moving money around last year in order to get this deal done, and I was told the reason why they hadn't really had any free agency meetings. I called other players' agents to see if deals had gotten restructured to create money in cap space, and I was told no. That was because their singular focus was on getting Dak done. And the reason why that was important, they were going to apply the tag, but you get this deal done and you're able to be meaningful shoppers in free agency, which, of course, is right around the corner March 17th. And so all along, I was being told that was the singular focus, and By the way, last week I had reported that this year felt different, and it felt different not just my sense, but in talking to the people involved. It was sort of this high-pitched voice of, it feels better, (laughs) was the way it was described. (laughs) Last year, when I looked back at my report from Combine, there had been no conversations. And again, this is two years we've been covering this. Todd Francis sort of played hardball here. And last week I reported that while we didn't know the numbers this year, what I was told that was left on the table was $35 million APY last year, $110 uh, in guarantees, and a $50 million signing bonus. That gets $66 million uh, in signing bonus this year, $126 guaranteed. And his APY, if you look at it, is uh, roughly $40, $42 million, depending on, again, how we look at this thing and the way it's structured. So I would say he wins here. And the Cowboys – have told me that they're not worried about this ankle. Um, We've heard some differing things here in Dallas, um, but he's been showing up to the facility and rehabbing nearly every day. And I thought that was meaningful because if somebody, if it's gotten so contentious, I wouldn't expect Deshaun Watson right now to be showing up to the Texas facility to rehab, right? Like that thing has turned contentious. By Dak doing that, that told me that there wasn't necessarily bad blood there because he can rehab anywhere he wants. Uh, That was meaningful. And like I said, the fact that they were talking. So the Cowboys wanted this to be their guy. I've never seen a locker room galvanized around a quarterback the way that they have. I've covered this team when Tony Romo was here and way back in the day when it was Vinny Testaverde. So I've been covering the Cowboys over different chapters of my professional career, but I'll never forget when Dak, the fourth string quarterback behind Romo, Kellen Moore, and everyone forgets Jamil Showers, (laughs) Uh, was not only given the job, but the Cowboys didn't even allow Tony Romo to compete for that job when he came back healthy. And then, of course, we ended up in this situation where the last two years they've tried to get deals done and the Cowboys have sort of dragged their feet. And then you let Carson Wentz set the market and Jared Goff set the market and then Deshaun Watson set the market and then Mahomes blew this thing out of the water. And so I think where they all ended up was 
the Cowboys have learned over the years they haven't really had an easy go at finding their winning quarterback. This guy's 42 and 27. We saw what they were without him, both on the field and not in the locker room. As Mike Robbins said it on NFL Network last week, these franchise quarterbacks don't grow on, grow on trees. I agree. But I also think that if both sides had gambled here, while a lot of people said Dak had the leverage, and that may be true, you have to assume that he was going to stay healthy next year, that his win-loss record was going to be significant. And then you also had to assume that there wasn't going to be other top-tier talent out there. When I had pulled a couple of GMs and head coaches on Friday, just what do you think his market value was? A lot of them didn't think that he was a $40 million quarterback. In other words, they took me through the top five quarterbacks and said they saw him more like a Kirk Cousins, 6 through 10, and said that while there'll be teams like the Vikings, who did it with Kirk Cousins, and like the Texans, who did it with Brock Osweiler, someone would convince themselves into paying Dak. Is that where Dak necessarily wanted to go? I mean, this is a guy that's dreamed of being a Cowboys player since he was a kid. So you just got the sense these two essentially needed couples therapy. I'm talking Todd France and Stephen Jones, and at times it felt like Dak was the kid uh, sort of uh, having a 